Now we will have a split sermon brought to us by our good man, Mr. Sean Witt. With that momentum he's carrying through with speaking at the feast, here he comes. Sean Witt, split sermon entitled, God's Operating System. Thank you, Ron. Also, I need to thank Barnabas. Thank you for uh, being willing to go first. I appreciate that. Not that I gave you much choice, but <laughs> thanks again. I got to tell you, though, your last few uh, scriptures were perfect. Transition right into mine, so I think it'll work out well. Well, welcome back from the feast, everyone. It's nice to see a few people here. There's not tons, but <laughs> we've got a few, so that's good. Where there's a few, God is there, so. Well, we have just come back from the greatest time of the year, God's Feast of Tabernacles. We're recharged, and we're ready to go. In addition to all the wonderful fellowship and the extra events that were so carefully and lovingly put together, we were in training each and every day, receiving the latest updates downloaded to our operating systems, just like we have Rick Gay with you with our computers. First of all, what is an operating system? And what operating system are we using? You know, I don't know a whole lot about operating systems. We have people here that are in that for a living, and I apologize now for being unable to totally explain what an operating system is, but I went to Wikipedia, and a Wikipedia knows everything, so. According to Wikipedia, an operating system, which is also called an OS, is a collection of software that manages computer hardware, resources, and provides common services for computer programs. The operating system is an essential component of a system software in a computer system. Application programs usually require an operating system to function. Examples of popular modern operating systems include Android. I'm sure you've heard of Android on smartphones. There's BSD, which I'm unfamiliar with. iOS, Linux, OS X, which I believe is Apple, Macintosh. QNX, and of course, Microsoft Windows. And there's a few others. Now back to the original question. What operating system are we using? Are we using the world's operating system? These include, as we see in 1 John 2, 52, chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. So let's go ahead to 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he that does the will of God abides forever. We can see some results of running the world's operating system, the worst which is not inheriting God's kingdom. Let's also check out Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. See what it has to say about this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, 
selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a serious matter. We are being warned to overcome these influence we see, or we will not be in the kingdom. God's operating system is perfect with no viruses. There'll be no viruses in God's kingdom. These are all examples of Satan's operating system, which is installed, excuse me, which was installed in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which has corrupted mankind now for over 6,000 years. And this is the most popular of the world's operating systems in use today. Anybody who's anybody uses this system. Though the system, excuse me, though this system, if it's continued to be used, will cause serious damage and eventual deactivation fall eternity. So we must not be using the system. God's operational system is the Holy Spirit, which is installed by the laying on hands at baptism. This system is the opposite of Satan's operating system. The contrast is shown here in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If you are using God's Holy Spirit correctly, these fruits will be known. The two systems cannot run together if you run them together, it'll cause damage. This is also shown in Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 for 30. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he, was, and he healed him, so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Belzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. These two systems cannot run together without causing damage. Back to the... Scripture. Let's go to um, 26, verse 26. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Belzebub, by whom do the sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. For how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. 
we need to be using God's Holy Spirit to overcome, to override any of the world's software that has been entered into us. So what steps can we take to ensure we are running the best possible spiritual condition before next year's feast? Point number one I'd like to get to. Choose your operating system. Point number one is choose your operating system. Joshua told the Israelites, choose this day whom you will serve. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Are you going to run the world's operating system or God's system? Remember, these two systems cannot run together without damage. It will cause damage to us if we run them together. Point number two, run daily updates. To strengthen God's operating system requires daily updates from God to our software through constant prayer, Bible study, and fellowship with brethren of like mind. Have you ever skipped a few updates on your computer? What usually happens? Hopefully you don't get the blue screen of death. Maybe um, you can't access everything correctly. Um, it can be just a lot of problems with your computer. It runs a lot slower. And that's the same problem we're going to have if we're not staying close to God. We have to be getting our daily updates from Him. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we're told to pray without ceasing. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, we are also told to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Point number three, get the best antivirus protection available. The very first thing we need to do each day before anything else is to have the armor of God antivirus, excuse me, antivirus protection turned on. And the way we do that is mentioned here in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Did you catch what was just said there in verse 11? It says to put on the whole armor of God. It doesn't say put on half of the armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I would liken the devil to a modern day computer virus. They find a weak point in your system and they attack. And they get in where they can. And once they entry, enter, they are very hard to get rid of. They corrupt your system. The end result is ultimately um, total destruction. The same as the computer can crash. You know, there's worms out there that can crash your computer, and we can crash as well. Let's go on to uh, verse number 12 now. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take up your whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewithith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 
and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We need to make sure that we are praying without ceasing. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Satan hates us. He wants nothing more to corrupt our software. This next verse that I'll be turning to is one that we referred to many times during the feast. And it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. Be sober and be vigilant. For your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Satan's going to do whatever it takes to try to keep us out of God's kingdom. He works through thoughts. He works through attitudes. He attacks us each in different ways. He preys upon our weaknesses. We've been at the feast. Now, well, let's see. We got back from the feast roughly about 48 hours ago. And Satan's been very busy during that time. I don't know how it's been with you guys, but since we got back... Um, he's been very busy. In fact, I was trying to prepare my message last night. He was being very busy. A lot of chaos was going on at my house. Um, I won't get into all the details, but uh, one of the situations was that uh, he was throwing a lot of darts at us. Our dog disappeared. So I was looking around trying to find the dog. Couldn't find the dog anywhere. And Finally, uh, I found her coming out of the shed. She'd been under there eating dirt, because she likes to eat dirt. She's our dirt-eating dog. And we had just got her bathed the day before, so I had to go in the late hours of the night, give her a bath, and clean her all up. So that was just crazy. And then this morning, I go to start our van, and it's dead. First, I hit the fob, and it wasn't working, so it must be a dead battery in my remote. So then I go put the key in, nothing. Well, the funny part is, is usually it's my car that if I let it sit for two or three days, the battery will go totally dead. But um, a brilliant thing I did before the feast is our van was running, and I thought, I need to get something out of the car. So I took my key off the key ring for the car, and I thought, I don't need this during the feast. So I just took it in the house and forgot where I put it. So this morning when the van wouldn't start because the battery was dead, I thought, well, I'll just take the car. I couldn't find the key. So I'm searching all around, and Matt was going to come back and pick me up, and he was heading back, and we prayed about it, and we found the key. So I went up and zoomed. The car started right up. Ironically, it's the one that doesn't run, so <laughs> kind of funny. God was there, and he answered our prayer, even though Satan was doing his best to keep us from being here. So we just got to keep plugging away. God will he help, he'll help us. We just need to make sure we're staying close to him. So point number four. Be aware of Satan's influence. It's all around us. Satan wants us to think that being a part of society is okay. He can whisper in our ear and say, this show's okay to watch. It's not a problem. You're strong enough. You can handle it. Don't worry about it. Or he can say, that website's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's an okay website. You'll be, you'll be fine. Just go ahead and look at that website.
or the song you listen to has some bad lyrics in it. You think, I, I don't have to worry about that because I know better. I don't have to worry about those lyrics. I can still listen to it. It'll be fine. But you know, it's like the frog in the water. You know, you put the frog in the water and you slowly turn up the heat. It gets hotter and hotter. Before you know it, you may have the water boiling all around you. So we just need to be very careful what we do. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's why it's important that we stay connected to God always. We have to make sure we have his armor on. It's when we get lazy and complacent and disregard prayer and Bible study that Satan starts to chink our armor with his fiery darts. We need to stay close to God always. TV is not what it used to be 10 or 20 years ago. I remember several years ago, McDonald's pulled their ads during the show uh, Married of Children. There was a time slot where they'd play their commercials, and there was a few other um, companies that pulled their commercials as well because they thought, this is an inappropriate show, and we're not going to run our ads. Now I have to keep the remote right next to me just to turn the commercials off because they're so inappropriate. I mean, the shows are bad enough, but I have to be right there, you know, turning the commercials off. So, I mean, bad enough for my kids, but, you know, we shouldn't be watching them either. They're, this is during primetime TV. I don't have satellite. I don't even have cable. This is just regular network TV. So it's, it's getting worse all the time. Satan is very busy. You know, we've got to be careful. Before we turn on the TV, before we turn on the computer, our cell phones, video games, etc., we need to pray and ask for protection of ourselves and our children. Otherwise, we're opening up a gateway for Satan's influence to just march right in. Our next point, let's move on to number five, which is be humble. We're going to turn to James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses do not know the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives us, excuse me, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. In verse 8, the Greek word translated double-minded, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, is dipsukos. From dis, meaning twice, and the soup, souk part is P-S-U-C-H-E, meaning mind. James uses it to describe someone who has divided interests or loyalties, wavering, uncertain, two-faced, half-hearted. Or, for the purpose of this analogy, 
being double-minded, running two different operating systems with two very different end goals. Remember, these two systems cannot run together without causing damage. I can't emphasize that enough. So, where are our loyalties? Are we half-heartedly doing God's will? These are tough questions that we have to ask ourselves. We must draw close to God. God's holy days for 2013 have come to a close. And we are now approaching the darkest time of year. It is important that we do not become weary in well-doing also, but carry on the excitement of God's plan for us and all humanity. So, what steps can we take to ensure that we are running the best possible spiritual condition for next year's Feast of Tabernacles? What can we do to get ourselves going through this next year to make sure that we're at that same level? Or actually, even higher. We need to pursue and and do even better this year. As we conclude, let's go ahead and recap the five points we went over. Point number one, choose your operating system. Choose God's operating system. Come out of the world. Make sure that you are praying without ceasing every day and choose his system. Point number two, run daily updates. Make sure that we are allowing God's way of life to come into us as we're doing Bible study as well. We need to get those updates from him. Point number three, get the best, excuse me, get the best antivirus protection available. Of course, that's going to be using God's armor and keep staying connected with him. Also, point number four, be aware of Satan's influence around us at all times. Be sober and diligent because he does roar and roam around like a lion. But we don't need to be afraid of Satan. God will protect us. As long as we're staying close to him, God has power over Satan. And if we stay close to him, Satan will flee. Point number five as well, be humble and allow God to work through us. And remember that we cannot do it without his help.